0: Thank you so very much for joining me on another episode of Talking Cloud. Man, I'm so excited. This is going to be an awesome episode. We're going to be talking about cloud. And come on, ladies and gentlemen, what computing doesn't involve cloud today? I mean, it is such an enormous, huge word. And we're going to be talking about it today. Now, you know, I'm no expert, but I search the globe and I find them and I get great experts. And today I've got an outstanding senior executive, a CISO who I've spoken with before. You know, Robin is a very, very shrewd executive. He's just always had some really great comments and I'm really super excited. I mean, if you listen to his background, it's quite uh, impressive uh, from way back Uh, I say way back, you know, started out uh, digital health legal was kind of the area editorial board member for uh, uh, Cecil Park Publishing and then moved to BPP as a cybersecurity program lead. You can see he started to get into cybersecurity, headed cybersecurity for Link Schema. He's a presenter at uh, Bright Talk and Bright Talk seminars. He was a chief information security officer for uh, Independent Office for Police Conduct. Liquid Cyber Defense, he was the chief information security officer chief information security officer at National Nuclear Laboratories. You know, he's a documentary filmmaker. I'm interested in pulling on that thread a little bit. Uh, Global Foundation for Cyber Studies and Research. He was the expert policy analyst for security futures and now is head of cybersecurity and information security for a very cool company, Aston Martin. And I'm so excited and thrilled to have a chance to talk with Robin Smith. Robin, thank you very much for being here, man. I'm looking forward to talking with you.
1: Oh, likewise, Grant. Really nice to kind of uh, join the podcast. I'm
0: a a big fan. I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussion today. Thank you. Thank- so, uh, gosh, uh, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, we got him all the way from the UK, and so we're catching him at the end of his day. So, Robin, maybe you could take a second and just add a little bit of the z axes for the listeners. Tell them about yourself, how you got to where you are, and, and uh, we'll kick this thing off.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm one of these terrible arrivists into cybersecurity, having spent a lot of time, as you say, working in uh, government agencies, law enforcement, working on data privacy and knowledge management. But as I saw cybersecurity starting to bloom in the last decade, it it occurred to me one, it was a really interesting space. Two, it was a space in which there was going to be a a demand for skills, which is absolutely true. I think we all know that. And three, it would be a dynamic industry, and I think coming into cybersecurity in the last sort of five years or so, I've, I've been really lucky. I, I you know, uh, luck is, seems to be the, the sort of emblem of my career. I've done lots of really interesting things, from presenting to filmmaking to working in the nuclear industry. I, I've been really lucky, so so uh, I, I want to take that luck and exploit it to the highest level possible by by pursuing, you know interesting ideas and pursue an interesting kind of pathway through the industry and hopefully making a contribution, which is where conversations like this come into their own.
0: Well, listen, I'll tell you this, man. Uh, years and years ago, when I look at your picture on LinkedIn, I think you're a young man. I'm, a, I'm an old guy. Uh, but I remember years ago, I was in my very early 20s and I, and I was talking to then my boss and I mentioned that I got lucky on something. And he looked up at me and he said, luck, there there are very few things that are luck. He says, luck is going to the casino and walking up and spinning the roulette wheel and having having it land on uh, your selection. But he said, even that you could debate is luck because it's really opportunity met with preparation. And he Mm. went on to explain how... So many things in our life, as we go through it, we attribute to luck, but more often than not, I think if you stop and really analyze it, it's because you took a path, you were prepared. I used to say I was lucky to fall into this industry, okay? I I thought about it, it's like, if I didn't have anything to contribute, if I wasn't worth my salt, I'd have gotten fired. Right. Mm. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be here. So I would suggest, Robin, you've been uh, prepared for some exciting opportunities and you've taken them and uh, you can call it luck. But I, I would say it's just been preparation for those opportunities as they come along. And, and I think you can be in life. It can be more fun when you look at it that way. Yeah. And I'm displaying typical British false modesty, really. I think I'm great. Good. That's the way to look at it. That's, that's the way to look at it. I, I, you Listen, you can only love others as much as you love yourself, man. So <laughs> I, I, I'm a big believer in that. But this isn't uh, talking psychology. This is talking cloud. So, Robin, you know, one of the things I'm impressed with is... Uh, you're fairly new entrant into the industry, uh, cybersecurity, because so many, you know, you talk to and they've been doing it for so long. And I actually think that could be really a benefit, especially in the cloud, because so often I've heard in my other programs and maybe if you've listened, you've heard, don't go into the cloud with the same modus operandi and view that you've been using on premise. So it may be a real benefit and strong suit for you as the cloud has kind of taken over that you haven't got that long tail in cybersecurity on, in on-prem, do you think? I do agree with that. I think you do need uh,
1: heterogeneity of views, not just in cloud, but in any aspect of the security industry. And I certainly agree, we can't approach the cloud as uh, as we have done other developments in the industry. It's, it's somewhat unique. It's a new medium it represents opportunities and, and, and problems. So we do need kind of liquid thinking around this is one of my kind of passions for for, for my career is 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 challenging orthodoxies. I think I've talked to a lot of people about this, which is it is difficult when you've been in the industry a long time to to sort of Look at things in a new fashion, but I think that's really important that we that we challenge that we don't just abide by the emerging orthodoxies relating to security, relating to uh, accreditation frameworks. I, I believe you you, you think critically. You challenge issues. You you push for innovation, and the only way to do that, I think, there's a quote from Einstein, isn't there? You you have to look at it from a different level of thinking. So, so when we're approaching our cloud strategy, and this is certainly true in the UK, I've tried to challenge, I've tried to critique, and I've tried to imagine new ways of working. Because the cloud, the cloud is a new way of working, so that should inform our thinking, and the way that we develop our cloud strategies should continually scrutinized and subject to consideration like any aspect of your work
0: so I think that's actually one of my favorite quotes from Einstein that says we cannot solve the problems we face with the same level of thinking that we had when we created them right it's this idea that we do have to change our perspective so I totally agree with you and I think also in cloud and this is what makes it so much of a dichotomy is the way it is on prem is very, you know, you get it set, you get it right, and then you control change, you manage change. And then the cloud, I mean, the cloud is change. It, it, you, you don't manage it. You have to uh, kind of write it like a stallion uh, and embrace it. You know what I mean? No, I absolutely do, and if you think of if you think of the pandemic and the negative
1: impacts and the and the losses and the problems and uh, and the impact, so I, I I certainly read a review recently that said that the unsung hero of the pandemic is the cloud, in that it allowed organisations to flex, stand up resources really quickly. There have been few outages over the last eighteen months that have kind of upended businesses, and remarkably you know, certainly in the US and in Europe, we've been able to transfer to remote working because we had this amazing infrastructure in place over the last 15 years. And I think your conception, Grant, of, of the cloud has changed, is absolutely right. You know, it's it's one of the few industries where we've seen rocketing growth, we've seen, you know, a demand for skills in the cloud, and we've seen that it has become essential to digital operations across the world. and Really, the, the miracle is that the cloud has supported that transformation in the last 18 months pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. You know, not not perfectly, never perfectly, but you, this conception that the cloud has become, however we think of it, the cloud has become absolutely integral to business and will continue to become you know we continue to be really integral. You know we're seeing 28% growth this year with you know even just in the asian region as mm-hmm. a cloud is worth 124 billion you know that's a massive amount. So so I do I do believe the cloud drives change and change drives
0: the cloud. Mhm. Mhm. Well and I think you know what what I also uh, think about in, in that whole notion of change is the the elasticity, the agility that the cloud brings is such a benefit. But that in and of itself is change constantly occurring. Furthermore, as we see more and more uh, functions, containers, uh, uh, infra as code clearly the developers are taking a very strong position in in the company but the the agility also enables a developer to decide to switch from rds to mongo or some other database Mm. arbitrarily because that 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 modularity is there that option i'm curious you know from your perspective what are the biggest challenges we face in the cloud? I
1: think to me, I, I think you've talked about the elasticity, uh, elasticity of services and the kind of the, the, the way in which controls often lag behind what's provisioned and the velocity of the technology. One of the things I've reflected on is the fact that we're getting into an extremely complex world now of the cloud, where we have multiple different models from, you know, hybrid to public to private. We have multiple different elements. I was looking at kind of cloud security posture management today just to try and reflect on how could we adopt that for the business and it it speaks to a complexity which is probably quite terrifying for a lot of organizations. We're seeing uh, a a mushrooming of the different elements here, the amount of storage, the amount of connections, the elements need to be managed at a time when we are still developing the way in which we manage the cloud effectively. And one of the things we try to address at Aston Martin is to get to a point where we have uh, an approach to security by design. So cloud security by design, where we say, okay, to manage the complexity, we understand the environment, we understand the threats, and we understand how we need to prioritize around that. So I think organizations will do well to embrace the complexity by having a standardized approach to design and delivery of the services.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. In fact, the complexity I think is what's getting most, it's why we see stats uh, from the Gartners of the world that say 99% or at least 99% of all the failures in the cloud are gonna be the customer's fault and it's largely gonna be a misconfiguration, right? Uh, over uh, privileged access, those types of things. And I just read a very interesting paper from McKinsey Digital that kind of speaks to what I think you were just talking about. The title of the paper is security as code, the best open parentheses and maybe only closed parentheses path to securing cloud applications and systems. And it's a very interesting look at as we move into infra as code, uh, that if we can move to security as code and implement it early as a process, it really does, um, it it really does mitigate or negate many of the problems that come downstream. The problem is, I don't know how many organizations are going to be able to make the kind of rigid changes to procedure and policy uh, that that they'd have to make to get it there. But I think the complexity, Robin, is a real challenge. Uh, and it's outstripping the pace of change is outstripping our ability to understand the current complexity, let alone what's coming. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think when I was first told about the network uh, as an abstracted concept, it kind of blew my mind. And as you start to think about security in an abstracted fashion, you can see the benefits of automation. You can see the benefits of taking it out of the human hands and you can see the, the benefits of kind of. Uh, or remediation at the speed of light. I love that. You know, my analysts that work for me will be really happy mm-hmm. with security as code. And I think that is where we see the industry catching up with the technology. That the thinking around, you know, we can provision this new medium, the cloud, as, as, a, as a way of storing and delivering service from infrastructure to software. We then have that lag where we have to rethink the way in which we do security. You can't manually. Secure the cloud, or if you do try you 'll be kind of on a hiding into nothing yeah. so i think, I think that, that that new thinking around uh, automated security is fantastic and speaks to how the industry does respond to challenges and I think it's admirable that you know, we 're quickly going towards uh, that abstracted nature of security but I think coming back to this issue of, of of complexity, you know cloud complexity is a reality, so I think what we need to do is make sure that We understand the benefits, you know, we are get you know, in in complex systems, you get a lot of resilience, you know, let's, let's be clear. The cloud offers lots more resilience than than Mm. your average data center. You get a diversity of elements in that cloud infrastructure that allows for adaptability. So, you know, uh i'm no storage expert but i know that one of the benefits is that you are able to kind of switch operations really quickly when you detect a problem in one part of the system right. and i have seen engineers arguing that the cloud is better coordinated because you have more connections between storage so i know that your average on-prem data center may have two or three areas where it stores stuff where whereas the cloud can offer multiple different so so i'm not arguing against cloud complexity, I think that's, that's reality. It's part of, you know, a whole lot of complexity in society. Mm -hmm. But I think what we then need to do is, is, is to define our thinking within that complex system by saying, okay, well, what do we think about security integrity and data processing within that complex system? So, so I, I, I believe that, you know, this is part of the challenge of being a security professional. You have to deal with the acceleration of technology, and there's some interesting thinking around accelerationism in the UK that might be worth talking about later. And you have to, uh, and you have to also adapt. You know, one of the bywords for cloud security management is agility, and I'm a huge fan of agile thinking, agile operations, because it does allow for that kind of change, changing position, that changing thinking and that changing priorities that means that IT can continue to deliver well within its service sector.
0: So I'm going to throw out um, something I heard and I'll just be curious to hear your take. So one of the things about the cloud is that uh, unlike on-premise, virtually everything is abstracted, right? So it enables... All of the elasticity the agility we know about and an analogy that we'll all understand um, it was suggested that rather than looking at our compute environment a la cloud as pets we should look at them as farm animals okay meaning you know, your pet, you nurture, you take care of, uh, you you make sure it lives as long a life as possible, and so on. Uh, farm animal, you know, they're there for a different purpose. My grandfather had a poultry farm, okay? Those chickens were nothing more than a, a, a business. And so it was the whole notion of n- not ever worrying about patching or updating, you just kill it and build a new one that's clean from the golden image, even if it's every day or more frequently. And I'd be curious what you think of that approach to infrastructure.
1: Yeah, and I think I think uh, there's a very really good sitcom called Silicon Valley where uh, someone named their internal data center. I can't remember the name, but uh, Anton, Anton. So so Gilfoyle named his data center Anton, which is very admirable and does speak to a certain perspective on our kind of our internal resources. Uh, and I've seen data centers internally treated more more graciously than members of staff. So so I think the kind of the approach is is, is apathetic in terms. of of this idea of pets and, and farmyard animals, I think we should always be robust. And I think um, people misunderstand this term. We should be aggressive in business, and I don't mean in a in a terrible kind of uh, violent way. I think we should be aggressive about our business strategies that mean we can relentlessly pursue what's best for the organisation. Mm. And I know that the uh, cloud security management and posture management allow better monitoring than you could get within your own data centre. It allows you to be more proactive it does allow for that automation that we've spoken about so yeah I, I think the the analogy is appropriate and i think it speaks into this idea of we need to challenge thinking and we need to have those tactics that are appropriate for the situation you know why should i be why should i be kind of nice to aws who are simply Hosting my cloud stores, you know, some of my suppliers will call me a terrible bully. I'm actually quite a polite guy, but when it comes to value from suppliers, yeah, you know, these are farmyard animals. You are just rearing my cattle. Don't extend the analogy too far. Right. But we should be we should be aggressive about our storage strategies because it's cheap, it's flexible. It's very lucrative for Amazon and Google and other suppliers. You know, they're making healthy profits in the last 18 months. License Um, to print
0: money, Robin. I mean, truly. And
1: and I think that then speaks into what the relationship should be like. You know, this isn't – these aren't the crown jewels. This is, you know, bread and butter storage to give us, you know, a really good deal, give us really good services, and if we're not happy, we'll be really aggressive in our supplier management. I think that's probably a quite – Appropriate approach.
0: Yeah, I I think so too. And you know what? It seems for me, when I when I look at what's been occurring since I fumbled around and installed my first eighty column extended eighty column text card in the slot in my Apple IIe, what's interesting to me is we've we've abstracted a lot. And what we'll never be able to abstract—that I think eventually we're going to get focused on, like we should have started—and that's the data. <laughs> and and I guess I, I I often think about you know the evolution that we have went through with the internet and now cloud and this whole notion of perimeter and now zero trust and you know if we would have only it would have been interesting if our cadence was different and we started differently thinking, okay, what's most important in this entire universe? My idea, the data, and then work backwards on how do I keep it safe and secure? As opposed to the approach that it seems we took was just quite the opposite. Yeah, but I think paradigm shifts in, in IT
1: are always very messy. And I, I, I understand the kind of, you know, the reverse engineering from the idea into what would be the best application. But we know that IT changes are messy. They're problematic. They tend to be kind of, you know, people tend to make mistakes. You know, we've had 15 years since Amazon's first offered their kind of uh, cloud storage. So, uh, but I come from a background in information management and knowledge management, whereby, you know, data security, integrity, and processing are sacrosanct. You should be respecting those as the primary ways in which we treat our our key currency information. And they should have been written into the way that we uh, adopted our cloud strategies. They weren't. So the, the retrospective kind of introduction of that kind of perspective is difficult because we're still battling the kind of mythology that cloud is just about storage, when quite frankly, it's about... 50 other things other than storage. Yeah. But I think for, for, for data security, you know, we do want to make sure it's protected against uh, snooping or theft and, uh, and what happens if there are leaks. And that that approach to data management speaks into a couple of problems I've got with with the gold rush that we've had towards the cloud, which is about kind of, you know, breaches and leaks, you know, the fact that we are getting a big cloud monopoly emerge. And these are the things that concern me, mm-hmm. not just the operational things, but I think, the fact that we're getting a cloud monopoly, you know, Google has caught up with its competitors really quickly in the last 18 months. So, yep. so I think, yes, of course, you know, no revolution is bloodless. This was basically a revolution in, in the way in which we approach this type of medium. Um, and on reflection, we probably could have done things better. But I, I think there are emerging problems now that we need to tackle. Like? So I think I think this issue of big cloud, you know, we've got, uh, a number of kind of providers occupying the vast majority of the um, industry and if we do a comparative analysis with big oil or big pharma where monopolies exist customer value gets driven down so where monopolies exist you tend to get kind of what's the word for kind of coordinated efforts you get that kind of uh, coordinated attempt to keep prices Corruption. high Collusion. There you go. Thank you very much. So we had collusion in farms, uh, pharmaceuticals. We've had cons- collusion in uh, tobacco. I would hate to see the emergence of big cloud leading to a loss of value for for the consumer. I'd hate to see collusion leading to uh, you know nefarious practices that impede privacy rights that might impede impede integrity rights. And I think the the notion of, of big cloud drives down innovation as well. You know, again, comparatively analyzing how tobacco and oil have innovated in the last 50 years, because, you know, when, when we've had these kind of collusions and we've had kind of a, a lock on the market, you don't see that innovative new way of working. So I think big cloud is, is, is a big concern for me uh, hmm. because we are seeing the negative effects of that in terms of pricing and in terms of uh,
0: development of services. Interesting. Interesting, yeah, that's actually when you think about other industries, I think the first thing I started to think about, Robin was uh, telecom, right? The mm. phones. Who could get into the phone business and be competitive? I, and I, I'm being rhetorical. who could who can get into the cloud today and be competitive? I mean that take that take a pretty big investment, I think to be able to jump in and have a chance to compete with the big, let's call it five or six, right? Uh, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, IBM, Alibaba, hmm. Oracle, there's six.
1: So I think I, I think the effects are specifically, if we think about, let's, let's look at the way that Amazon now dominates retail. You know, of the comparison is not necessarily completely uh, relevant, but that has driven down innovation and it's driven out small competitors. And I think we, we, we're working certainly in the UK. There's a there's a move to promote more localism, but where monopolies exist, you can't have that localism and all that innovation. So, mm-hmm. you know, what interest has Amazon got in developing their cloud services if they've got a lock of I don't know, 30% of the market. I'm, I'm laboring the point, but I think I, I think it's something it, yeah. that needs to be challenged. And I think that then goes back to where we started this conversation is if we know that we've got 30% of the market and we want to develop, you know, we might ensnare another 5% another 10%. But it's going to have a knock-on effect to our services. Anyone that's dealt with large uh, consultancy services that, are, that have done very well, right. you often find that you get a very – rote sort of service you often find you get a sort of you know they the expression in the uk is they borrow your watch to tell you the time i think my fear is (laughs) where we've seen yeah i say i like that expression where we've seen this massive rush to adopting this new medium these new ways of working we still need to innovate and we still need to do better but if it's google if it's amazon if it's ibm i've worked with all three and they are fantastic in their own ways I would critique all three for not necessarily having the agility to kind of adapt and adopt, uh, you know, new ways of working. So I won't labour the point. It's 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 a concern. It's something I'm keeping my eye on the, sure. in the in the industry, and it means you should be robust in negotiations. If there's yep. any hint that you're not getting good quality service. You need to push back on your Amazons and your IBMs.
0: Yeah. You know, it's very similar, you know, today, the monopoly with in uh, the U.S. And and uh, cable carriers, right, choices you have for your television. And uh, it, it a surefire way to get a better price is to call them up and say, I'm fed up. I'm leaving. I'm going to go get the deal that was just advertised by the other guy. And surprisingly, the, they have an option for you, Robin, and the price just happens to go down it's really amazing well yeah and i'm about to negotiate several contracts so that's a that's a good tip i shall be taking that into
1: my uh, next negotiation so uh, thank you for that grant and
0: so i've got one for you and i think it's kind of related and it was a conversation i was having the other day about it was actually with my kids if i'm being honest it was talking with my 20 uh, year old son and we were talking about life and about spontaneity and how you know that's one of the great things about life and it got me thinking about the difference between uh let's say 1975 or 79 and today and the fact that and, and I'll give you I'll, I'll just lay out a story a guy gets a job working for a food broker, right, going to grocery stores. Gas Crunch comes along uh, three months later and he gets laid off. So it was not even long enough to get established. Happens to get a phone call from a guy who's got the same name as him and tells him about another job working for a wholesale distributor of fishing tackle and knives. So, The guy needs a job, he goes, he gets the job, and two years later, this guy he goes to work for has the wherewithal to go buy a computer, and then says, hey, let's sell these, not fishing tackle, and I'm along for the ride. Now my point, Robin, is this. If it were today, and I was that 19-year-old kid that got that job at that food broker, you know what would happen the second I got laid off, man? I'd be in LinkedIn. I'd be contacting every other food broker. I'd been, right? I would have, I would have been so in the flow of this business because everything I searched for was known by the search engines and all the suggestions were, were going to push me in this particular direction as opposed to the spontaneity that occurred without all of the technology. Am I, am I making any sense? You are, and I
1: can, I can, recognize, I can recognize the the, the pattern and, and path you're articulating. I think it comes back to this issue of complexity. We do use these algorithms and we use these kind of uh, technologies to help take away, help simplify our lives. But you can't kind of replace human innovation or human imagination. I think more spontaneity in the way in which we address these problems is probably what we're advocating, with right. we're talking about. Review, you know, taking a different perspective on any issue. We talk about cloud today, we could talk about any issue you like, but I think being informed is important in that situation and making sure that you've got valuable sources of intelligence, and that's a that's a big thing for me regarding our cloud strategy. And and also being in conversation. I've, I've said that, you know, these conversations uh, between ourselves, Grant, are hugely helpful for me just to spark a new a new approach that you might want to take and i think that goes for our cloud first strategy yes we're all talking about cloud first but how are we kind of altering our positions to make sure we consider all of the perspectives that we might want to pursue so i think i do understand that i'm not so sure i want to go back to 1979 britain where there was rubbish piling up on the streets and the people were on strike it wasn't the greatest place but i do take your point in terms of being imaginative in way in which we address
0: problems. I guess I could have spoken, um, you know, uh, statements like four decades earlier, uh, as opposed to citing the specific years, but I'm giving it away. But I I really do think that um, we've lost a little bit of that... um, that that aspect of life because we are so influenced by the ads that pop up, the the stories that LinkedIn thinks are gonna be important to us, that Apple News thinks we wanna care about, that you know, we've been pre-selected for. And it just made me think how different it might be for my kids in what they're doing if they weren't so caught up in the social influences that really do influence our lives never underestimate the young
1: they've got all that energy they've got all that kind of time in which to find new ways of work i'm 45 so my time is coming to a close shortly so but i think we shouldn't underestimate these 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 children that are raised on this wave of information data technologies their cognitive abilities you know you and i are smart people grant but their cognitive abilities are probably 10 15 20% beyond what we're going to what we were at uh, at that. Age. So I think I, I have lots of optimism about the future. I have, I have nieces and nephews who consume information, think about it, are intelligent, are informed and and will make decisions in that new context not in the kind of context that you and I would recommend. So so I'm 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 a natural optimist anyway and i think you know human capacity look look what we've gone through in the last 18 months you know we've 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 managed to tame uh this epidemic with pandemic we've managed to come up with vaccines really quickly we've managed to scale up our technology to support you know a complete change in the way that we operate in in the us and, and europe and that is testament to the human talent for innovation imagination and, and and inspiration and I think we should be really positive about kind of how you know your your 20 year old son he's going to change the world yeah. he's going to change the world in the future so he you know he's able to do that thanks to all that brilliant youthful energy that he's in possession of that I'm very jealous of
0: yes yeah, that, that's right now the only thing I'm going to add to that uh, Robin is this. That, that at 45, if you're thinking you're getting close to turning in, I, I just heard a shovel of dirt above me. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you have, you're just getting to the turn. Buddy, I've, I've made my turn and finished my hot dog and Coke, uh, but um, I still get up every day with a great deal of zeal and figure as long as I'm here, I'm swinging for the fence
1: you got to go forward. That's, that's my attitude. You have to keep taking it forward. Didn't BB B. King says no looking back. It's all about going forward and doing new things. I, I overplay, I think I overplay the kind of the 45 or whatever, but I think you know being in this industry, it is challenging. You do need energy. Oh yeah. Considering the cloud problem. You need to be, you need to be on your game. You need to be thinking in, you know, data is now pretty liquid. Yep. So we need to kind of develop our thinking around that. So I, In this game, you have to stay on point. You have to stay engaged, which is, you know, like I say, it's excellent you're doing these for the industry. And you have to be trying to bring, you know, uh, a a new sensibility to the way in which the existing problems are are considered. As we said with the Einstein quote, we need new ways of addressing those existing problems.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And, you know, I really enjoy... I I enjoy thinking a little bit differently or trying to think outside of the box or push the envelope, so to speak. Uh, And um, you always make it easy and simple to do that. I enjoy talking with you very much, Robin. So let me just pull on this thread. I mentioned I was going to talk about the documentary film and what it was about and how, how you found yourself making a making a movie.
1: Uh, well i'm a uh, an absolute film nut i've always been crazy about film since i first saw first film i saw at the cinema empire strikes back followed by ghostbusters and indiana jones so i got raised on that absolute classic kind of era of blockbuster filmmaking and and tried to watch every film under the sun you know i try and watch iranian and brazilian and indian films that's the, the sound and sight Top 250 that I'm about halfway through. Some brilliant gems in there. Mm. If I could recommend one film for your listeners, come and see, which is a 1985 Polish film about the Second World War, it's a young boy's kind of journey through 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 uh, occupied Europe. Absolutely mind blowing film, and I, I try and recommend that to everyone I can. Probably not so easy to get hold of, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. A fantastic film, and it does what Roger Ebert says, um, the sort of renowned film critic. He said that films are empathy machines and i think i've experienced so much through watching films that i was inspired to try and make my own one a couple of years ago so uh, a friend said you you why don't you have a go and in the 80s when i grew up it, you know you'd need a giant video camera and you would need all the production facilities you can make a film now on your iphone <laughs> so i actually uh developed a, a, an idea around cybernetics So I met a really interesting guy called Colin Williams, who was delivering a series of seven lectures about the history of cybernetics and how it had shaped uh, society from Norbert Wiener's amazing books in the 50s to The Ratio Club and J.C.R. Licklider. And Colin had a really fantastic story. And I thought, well, I've got a desire to make a film. I found someone fantastically interesting. So we made Machina, Building the Immortal Technology. So it was a film about control and imagination in the digital society and colin spoke eloquently for 90 minutes on everything from you know the culmination of the second world war to uh, Dostoevsky and uh fyodorov the the russian who developed the uh, calculations for the russian space program so mm. it's a it's a cascading film it's out there on machine films.com you're very welcome to to go and see it for its for its for its uh for its for its limitations, you know, we're a bit limited by budget. I'm I'm really proud of it. And I can say it has won two awards. It won a, an award at the New York Sound and Vision Film Festival. And just last weekend I won the uh, Gold Award at the Cosmogenetics St. Petersburg Film Festival. So I can I, you awesome. know, I can I can go to my grave knowing that I'm an award winning filmmaker and it's part of a planned trilogy. So my next film is about uh Consilience, which was the fantastic book by E.O. Wilson. So you never know. I, I, I said earlier, you've got to dream big. I'm I'm still hopeful for my Oscar and my $1 million from Netflix. So hope springs eternal with regard to the filmmaking. That's, yeah, uh, it's, uh, that's awesome. It's out
0: there. I, I'm going to definitely take a look. Now, the one you mentioned was Come See? Come and See,
1: yes. 1985 uh, war film from uh, uh, a Polish filmmaker, absolutely fantastic and 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 worth your time it's a it's it's gonna it will blow a few minds i think
0: okay hey so i'm curious adam sandler rain on what is it rain on rain over me rain Rain over me me. you've seen that one
1: i haven't actually i i have to say i i could be i'm a typical englishman i could be a bit snobbish but i have heard good things about his performance in that and I will say he's very good in Punch Drunk Love, but I haven't seen Rain Over Me, but I will check it out.
0: I'll tell you, that's a movie that really, y- you talk about empathy. You, 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 it, I'm not going to tell you a thing about it other than to say when I saw Adam Sandler was in the movie, I was like, uh <laughs> And I, I'm telling you, I'll have a hard time. If I started talking about it, I seriously would have a hard time not tearing up it's it's that good i said, i know the subject matter so
1: we won't we won't touch upon that in case you do sort of but yeah i can imagine it's uh, I, I, i'll check it out i'm, yeah, I'm, I do. I'm I always like don or i know he's in it so he will certainly kind of have a look at that
0: this has been as always robin really terrific and i really really appreciate you spending so much time with us and uh enjoy the conversation thank you very much
1: no, thank you, Grant. It's just fantastic that you're doing this. It's helped illuminate so many aspects of my knowledge of cloud. I'm hoping your, your listenership have found it interesting. I know we've gone all over the shop, but uh, but for me, this is really valuable intelligence about what we're thinking in the industry. So thank you.
0: It's my pleasure. It's because I get guys like you, man. So uh, like I said, I'm just the Gilligan. I, I get professors that, that make me look good. So I appreciate it very, very much. Thanks again, Robin. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, another one's in the books, and I just think they keep getting better and better. I really just uh, love the guests that we've had, the conversations we've had, and I sure hope you're enjoying it as well. I appreciate you listening. I hope you'll share and invite your friends, and we'll look forward to having you back on the next episode of Talking Cloud.